Welcome. Yeshayahu Perik Bet. Isaiah chapter 2. I thought we'd start with the quote from Mishle just to throw you off. Uh, well, actually, just to throw you on to what we're up to tonight. Um, Shlomo Amelach in Mishle in Perik Zion said, Vilifneki Shalom, before the fall, before things go south, as we would say in America, Govale Ruach. Uh, there's an element of hubris. And as you can see, again, I, we, I was just getting used to the, uh, uh, the projector and the cable went bad. So in two weeks when we reconvene, which is an indirect reminder that next week we'll be in Kislaritz, in uh celebrating with my, my, my folks. Um, so we'll reconvene in two weeks from today. Somebody pick up a Sun Seaway copy. That's okay. Don't Let everybody get organized. So again, as we were saying, Shlomo HaMelech famously said that if you want to explore or understand uh, why people fail, uh, the first thing to look for is some element of hubris. Um, tonight's central theme, uh, absent these, the sheet which we hope to have back in two weeks and the projector, Vayishpach ish v'shach gavus ha'adam v'nizgav Hashem levado bayom ha'hu. And just to, in case you want to doze off for a bit or, or relax, uh, the central point of tonight's shear is conveniently on this board, which is number one, and this is the, really the question, we'll ask something about that later, then call, is uh, the juxtaposition is absolutely maddening. You mean to say that in order for, to get to Viniskav Hashem Levado Bayom Ha'u, man has to reach the depths and he has to fall from his high place, it seems unbelievable. Do we, do we hear the, the, the rationality of it? It's, it's, if, it's if in some strange way uh, the Almighty's ascendancy to his proper place in the universe is in some ways dependent, you can even use that word, on man absolutely falling, or to use Shlomo's uh, words, for him to fall. Now, I uh, made some mention last week, and I'll actually begin there uh, this evening, about Perak Bet. Um, and we said uh, that amongst uh, most scholars, uh, people who study Yeshayahu in earnest, as Mora Barber would, could, could tell us all, uh, certainly, um, we, sta we started last week with Perak Aleph. A lot of people say it should really begin with Perak Vav. And Raviel Ben-Nun, of all things, says that Perik Bet, where we're starting tonight, is the true beginning. I'll, I'll just read you, well, I'll read you. We're, we're going to do the best we can here so that you're not, not completely in the dark. So look how nicely Perik Bet begins, if you're looking for a nice beginning. 
הדבר אשר חזה ישעיהו בן אמוץ על יהודה וירושלים. What could be easier or a simpler uh, parsimonious way? This is the thing or, or that is the thing. This is the word, if you will, that Yeshayahu uh, was given in his vision, uh, in his vision about Yudah and Yushalayim. So why does Rav Yoel not like Perak Aleph, and why is he not enthralled with sort of the more uh, fashionable uh, Perak Vav? What, well, Perak Aleph is, is the beginning. Uh, so one would think that one would begin at the beginning. Uh, Rav Yoel's problem with the beginning is that, as we mentioned last week, in Perak Aleph, you famously already have the end of the story. Arechem Sufot Ba'esh, talking about the Churban, if you want to start at the beginning, why are you starting with things about the end? He has a similar but slightly nuanced problem with Perik Vav, which we mentioned last week is the Perik of Hakdasha, when uh, uh, Yeshayahu has this Mare Elohim, and God speaks to him, and is, God's looking for a volunteer, if you remember from last week, and Yeshayahu, uh, in contrast to Moshe, says, he's willing to go, and uh, Rav Yoel says, yeah, but that's also... A, his, his mission is basically to say that the end is coming, and as Raviol puts it, we have a rule in the, uh, a principle in the Gemara that says you don't really punish people before you warn them so there he has an issue with Perik Vav Perik Bet so how does Perik Bet begin after the introduction Vahaya Bacharit Hayamim and it will come to pass, so to speak, at the end of days. Isn't that an odd way to begin? Well, it certainly tells you something about Yeshayahu's prowess and the, that his, his, the capability of his vision uh, is not limited to what's in front of him or interpreting the daily news. He's able to see way ahead. Now, if I can get this to behave, which I should because this is my own laptop, Now, if I had better concentration skills, we could listen to that while we hear the shear. Uh, but, so, this is by way of welcome you to Yeshayahu's Brave New World. Or Jack's New World Symphony. I'm going to run out of these pretty quickly. I'm stretching the limits of my musical understanding. That having been said, so what, is, what does Yeshayahu have to say about the New World? And we're going to discover in Mirza Shem that there's something really quite paradoxical, surprisingly enough, about that. But before we get there, let's, let's just enjoy uh, what are, in, in many ways, uh, the most easily recognized verses or, or phrases to ever come out of a Jewish prophet, and certainly in Abishayahu. Those of you who have not been to New York City 
uh, we'll find it written on the most unlikely place, which is on the walls of the United Nations. And anyways, I'll just read you the English from the translation here. In the days to come, the mount of the Lord's house shall stand firm above the mountains, way high up. Yushalayim is going to get a facelift. And, and tower above the hills, and all the nations shall gaze upon it with joy. Not only that, so, it's not just a tourist place, okay, and we are seeing lots of nations coming, but here they're coming with a purpose. Maybe the Koreans are a little bit ahead of us here. You had a question? Very good question, and uh, Yeshayahu is probably linking heaven and earth after the fashion of Yaakov's Sulam. That's what I imagine. And also Yaakov is being, you know, the link to the Aseret, Hashvatim, etc. But the point is here that before we get to the, the wonderful Kimitzion Torah with Hashem Yishulayim, the point of that is, when everybody shows up, it's not so much that they're looking for an archaeological uh, tour. What they really want to do is to learn from Vyorenu Midiracha. We're going to come back to that shortly. What does it really mean that they want to learn? What, is, what does the English say here? That he may instruct us in his ways, and that we may walk in his paths. Now, what does that mean, at least on the surface level, that we're going to be instructed by the laws of God? It says Yeshayahu, Vishafat bein hagoyim. This is not passive learning. If God comes to teach his laws, what he's going to do is he's going to sit in mishpat. Anybody recognize the word mishpat from Barak Aleph? We said everything about Yeshayahu is about two words, mishpat and tzedakah, right? V'hochiach la'amim rabim v'chitetu chavotam li'itim v'chanitotayim l'mazmelot we could sing along with Yishayahu here, right? This is the this is the this is what everyone uh, knows about Yishayahu. The end of warfare, as you know, as we know it. So, those of you who noticed, uh, Yishayahu starts out in the future, in the first four psukim, and now he brings us back into the present. He's leaving on us on the edge of every word, just where he wants us to be. He's got us where he wants us, because now he's saying, Beit Yaakov l'chuven elcha Adonai. The Zionists amongst you will recognize this as the, uh, as the famous call uh, for Aliyah. Um, and then comes a rebuke. But before we uh, refer back to the rebuke, um, let's just catch up with where we are and try and understand uh, some of what it really means uh, when Yeshayahu speaks about Acharit Ayamim, where did he get that from, and what can we say about the Yorenu Midracha? So, uh, if we want to know uh, where to look for Acharit Ayamim, anybody got a guess where to look for it? Which book in the in Tanakh to look for it? Or Tanakh? How about the half of Sefer Bereshit? Right? Perak Memtet. Vayikra Yaakov el Banav. 
ויאמר, היאספו ואגיד אליכם את אשר יקרא אתכם באחרית הימים. Who speaking? Ah, we can't throw. Okay. What is the Ramban, the great Kabbalist, the great Pashtan, what does he have to say? So what is אחרית הימים? I'll shorten some of the suspense, and he tells you, לדברי הכל, it's אחרית הימים, ארימות המשיח. So in other words, if you ask the Ramban, what is the main topic of Perik Bet of Yishayahu, he's describing Yimot HaMashiach. You know, we can get attached to that very easily, right? etc. The Radak, it takes this uh, a, sli- a step farther, and you can see that he anticipates some of what we already read, and he says, mishpat, so what happens then? So God decides that it's time for Mashiach to come, and the first thing that happens is not a big kiddush. What happens is God sits down on the kisei hamishpat. He sits down to judge the world, and what happens then? Well, what happens then? Let's go back to what we said earlier in Pasuk Gimel, verse 3. As we said, So what is, where does the phrase Yorenu Bidarachav come from? Anybody have any idea? Uh, think about uh, where there's a mention of uh, the idea of Drachav and non-Jews. Parshas Vayera, if you will. Right after, we, last week we said, uh, we spoke about Sodom and Amora yeah. in the introduction to the, the, uh, the news about uh, Sodom and Amora, Kodesh yeah. Baruch Hu says, And why? So why is God letting Avram Avinu know about what's coming? Ki yidativ, I know his nature. Leman asher yitzaved banavet beto acharav v'shamru derech adinoi lasot, guess what? Tzedakah u'mishpat. So, again, all the fanfare, Eliyahu's come, the shofar is blown, there's world peace, everything is wonderful and grand, and what happens next? Judgment. Yumot HaMashiach, God sits down, and he wants to make sure that the world is going to follow the, 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 the pact that Hashem made, HaKadosh Baruch Hu made with Avram Avinu, and God wants social justice, and he wants kindness and charity and tzedakah. Okay. Next, what is the, lo- what is the road to tzedakah Mishpat look like? And here, again, I apologize for not having the, the projector, but if you can follow this with me, uh, what you're going to see here, uh, remember, our theme of the evening is the fall of man and the ascendancy of a Kodesh Baruch Hu, of God. And for those of you who were, uh, came late or wondering, where, reminding again where we got started, we asked the question at the opening, how is it that God's ascendancy is somehow, in quotes, dependent on man's fall. So look at this. This is Yeshayahu in, in, in a literal form here that is, that is breathtaking.
So right after we have the pasuk about Vayishach uh, Adam, right, right over here, Vayishapalish Valtisalahem, and God is not interested in being compassionate to them. Look at what happens here. Ene gavhot adam shafel. I'm I'm reading now. Yudalev, thank you. What I want you to follow here is everything that's high is going to fall. Mm. And we're going to see the ten icons of the, the highest forms of nature all collapsing, falling. This is like a giant earthquake and a, a giant landslide. gavhot adam rumanashim. Man's haughty look shall be brought low, and the pride of mortals shall be humbled. V'nizgav Hashem levado v'yamahut, there's the Pesach. And then, ki yom Hashem tzvakot, al kol ge'evaram, ge'evaram, up, ve'al kol nisa v'shafel. Everything that's up is going down. This is very topsy-turvy. You should be getting motion sickness by now. V'al kol arzei halavonon, all the high cedars of the Lebanon, right? Haramim. The really high ones, Vahanisaim, and the giant ones, Valkol Abashan, all the greatest trees, the highest uh, that you can imagine. And then following that, Vialkol Heharim Haramim, all the highest mountains, Vokolagvalot Hanisaot, right, called the, the loftiest of the hills, if you will. Vialkol Migdal Gavoa, now turning man's, all the highest towers and fortresses, Valkol Chomabitsura, guess what? V'shach gavut adam, v'shafel rumanashim, v'nizgav Hashem levado bayom ahu, a second time in the same parak. So I think Yeshayahu has a point here. And now he has all of humanity hiding out in caves, caves um, now that all the icons of power have fallen. So what's the point of that? One second, I'll be right with you. Those of you who have not been here before, we don't have a boss call, this is our bed call. And for some reason he speaks, when Hannah is here, he speaks in Yiddish. So he asks, Als is given azoy shine. Well, you said goyel goy cherev, vigorzeim in keves. When he asks, Al is achim falim. Tavus falim. I'm sorry. What was the question? Yeah, we might be rooting for the right. Well, we had Notre Dame go down also, but I, you, I don't know. I, you, I'm, not a, I'm not in that business of predictions. But. Uh, the Ben Cole wants to know, we start out so nicely, why are things falling? Things are falling apart. We finish Sefer Malachi Bet, we're waiting for something uplifting, we finally get it and it all goes to pieces. What's the point of that? Okay. And again, so, setting light against dark, which is a theme we spoke about last week, all the light, the beauty of the exalted coming of Mashiach, we talked about Acharit Yamim, 
and all of that, and now all this dark stuff. So, uh, I had a line here I liked. Oh, yeah. So we started out in Chumas Bereshit saying, We started out really nicely, right? God, man is made in God's image. What could be better than that? Look at each other. We're amazing, right? We're, we're all in some way, shape, or form in our own uh, godly way, right? And then we have, Hadam. Uh, I chose the decline of man here, um, uh, because the fall of man belongs to another religion, or they've co-opted mm-hmm. it somehow. So one version of this, could he, he could, Yeshayahu could simply be speaking about Uziyahu, because Uziyahu was the great king, uh, he started out great, but even Uziyahu, the song, another song, right? All this really great stuff, and at the end he winds up uh, being very haughty, winds up in Mitzorah, and it all ends badly. That's one possibility. This is the gorgeous aspect we'll see time and time again. Yeshayahu has us listening to things in two or three dimensions. It might be Uziyahu, it might be, that might be the Apitamim, or it might, it might be his bitter end, or it could be uh, what's going on in all of the world. So I had some fun with this by asking the simple question of what went wrong with man, right? We start out Salam Elohim. So uh, we could borrow from the Greeks and we say, well, man is mortal and faded and flawed. All you have to do is read Oedipus, Argamemnon, Hippolytos, or Icarus. Those are myths that we have to learn in Yeshiva Flatbush. If you weren't there, I'm not sure. I, the Greek tragedies are really wonderful. They, they really, because we keep on make, doing the same tragic stuff all over again. And anyways, so here we go. If you ask, say for Bereshis, right, what happened to man? So if you look at, at the Mabul, you would say, well, thievery, sexual immorality, Sodom, cruelty, right? Sefer Bereshit has all kinds of answers. If you ask Sefer Shmot, uh, what's the problem? Well, the Egel, idolatry, impatience, people can't wait for Moshe. If you ask Sefer Vayikra, Parshat Shmini, Nadav and Avihu, grandiosity maybe, uh, religious zealotry, hmm. uh, looking for shortcuts. Hmm. If you ask, say, for Bamin Bar, Parshat Muraglim, right? Lack of Amuna or faith, mm-hmm. refusal to give up uh, a dependent lifestyle, right? All the Mepharshim speak about that the opposition yeah. to the Muraglim was they, they, you know, they had man, they had, uh, even though they complained bitterly about it, but, you know, people are people. And if you ask, say, for Devarib, you would say, Maybe uh, thinking about Moshe and Aaron not getting into Eretz Yisrael, anger, a certain lack of faith. But what if you ask Yeshayahu? So what would Yisha- What does Yeshayahu have to say about Vayishpach Ish Veshach Gavhut Adam? What happened to man? So Yeshayahu, I believe, would say um, a couple of things. Uh, he would say that man was created to serve Hashem uh, in, a, in a spirit of dependency, only on Hashem, exclusive. V'niskav Hashem, I underline the word levado. In other words, you can't be worshipping HaKadosh Baruch Hu and putting your insurance policy in the, in the Baal, so to speak. We had that with Eliyahu, and Yeshayahu's got the same message. Because any dependency on deities or anything that interferes with, divine, with direct worship and a, adapting a life in, curse, in concert with social justice degrades the divine persona of man. Again, if we were, we were created, B'Tselem Elohim, anything that we do that is not Elohim-directed, in other words, we're dependent on something else, in some ways scars the divine person that we, 
persona we were given. Uh, so again, what, what Yeshayahu might say is that man has a very peculiar disinclination to yield or to bend his knee. So what we have here, at least over here, uh, and what we read earlier, is that uh, Yeshayahu has a particularly binary view of, of uh, approach of hubris. It's all or nothing. And that's really scary if you think about it. Uh, you know, it's one thing to talk about uh, Oedipus or Icarus, you know, uh, having a certain amount of hubris. It's another thing to say, well, if you have any amount of hubris, and if, according to Yeshayahu, that means that you are reliant on anything, dependent on anything or anybody other than Kodesh Baruch Hu, yeah. you are already in this category over here, and you are in some ways impeding the Niskav Hashem Levado Bayom Havu. So, in Pasuk Chet, Chath, uh, which is uh, verse 20, we find Yeshayahu saying, Bayom Havu Yashlich Adam et Elilei Kaspo et Elilei Zahavo, Asher Asulo Lishtachavot. So this is, uh, again, Yeshayahu having some fun with the idolaters in a way that brings back memories of Eliyahu at Akarmel. But there's another piece to it. Uh, he's saying that on this day, remember, Bayom Hahu is Acharit Hayamim, that's where we're headed, right? Man will throw away all of his, uh, his graven images that he made out of silver, right? And he will bow to HaKadosh Baruch Hu rather than bowing to them, again, all or none. So this phrase, this business about what people do with their idols, has a very, very deep resonance in all of the Nevi'im. Let me take you to Hosea, Perit Yudalid. You know it by heart. Shuva Yisrael ad Hashem Elokecha, the Haftor for Shabbos Shuva. The part that you may not know by heart, uh, I'm not going to ask you to, uh, if you so desire, you can flip over uh, to Perit Yudalid, Pasuk Dalid. But in any case, I'll read you from the text. It says, Ashur lo Yoshienu, so here, here's Hosea, a predecessor. He was one of the failed prophets before Yeshayahu's second trial, as we said last time, in Paragvav. So, uh, you know, he's, Hosea is telling the Jewish people, you know, don't rely on Ashur to, to uh, help us out. Uh, the reference to Al-Sus Lonirkav is clearly a reference to Egypt or at least according to most of the Mepharshim, don't depend on anybody, any of alliances that you've, that you've uh, made, no matter how much you've bribed the officials or, or uh, said that you're willing to fight side by side. And then comes the verse we're looking for. V'lo nomar od Eloheinu yadeinu. It's a shame we don't, because the, you know, the verse that we just read before is the Elilei Zahab Asu the handmade idols. So this is, we're, we're making idols with our own hands. They're, all, they're our own images. They're a reflection of some part of ourselves that we think is godly, but it's obviously divorced from everything that is holy and godly. The Radak, on that Pasuk at Hosea, takes us a, a bit closer to where we're trying to get to in this shear. And I'm going to twist this in a moment so don't get too relaxed, get too comfortable. Uh, and, and that's where we're really go hopefully going to have some real fun. I hope that this hasn't been wonderful, so it's great to see all of you uh, and to read to you from Yeshayahu. So it says the Radak. So what, what does it mean, Shuvah Yisrael Hashem Elokecha? And we just said, People will no longer call out to, 
see these idols that they made with their own hands and call them their gods. Says the Radak, People will, will make viduit, literally. But it really means that they will admit. And what will they admit? They will say to God, It's okay. It happens. Talk about <laughs> what we're enslaved to, for gosh sakes. <laughs> Hello? <laughs> Are we in your slide? All right. So the Radak makes the link between the uh, dependency on the idols on the one hand, okay, man, what brings man down, his dependency on something other than Hashem, and then the Radak ends off by saying, uh, you know, because it will, it will only be when, they, when B'nai Israel will be able to say, Assure the others can't help us. That's the language of the Radak. It's only by God's doing that we're able to, to get through all of that. The Malbim now provides us the bridge to the uh, matter at hand, uh, which is this, but another level of this, hopefully. The Malbim there says in, the ver- in Pasukit Zion, in the same parak, Umayyelevado. So he asks, so what does that mean, that they'll be worshipping God alone? So he says, They will not exalt anyone else other than Hashem. Why is that? Tshuva, in the language of the, of the Malbim, and we'll see where he gets it from in a moment, is all about being able to, a, a human being, to bend the knee to their own hubris, so to speak, and to bend the knee to uh, an exclusive uh, relationship with HaKadosh Baruch Hu. If we look in the Rambam in Hilchus Tshuva, in Perik Bet, uh, where the Rambam uh, famously uh, has uh, a verse that uh, the Rav uh, added such dimensionality, uh, just to paraphrase just a tiny bit of it, the Rav was really struck that when the Rambam Maimonides speaks about doing tshuva and the mitzvah of vidui, he says that we have to do it lifnei hakel baruchu. You do it before God. So it seems like a throwaway phrase. Where else are you going to do it? But the Rav said, no, no, no. You, you have to understand this. You're standing there, and as you're doing your confession and, and your soul-searching, you're doing it right opposite God, you know, so to speak. So there's nowhere to hide. No, there are no caves to, to hide in the, as before. But the point that we, the reason we went to this Rambam is the Rambam then says that when you do this tshuva and you do this confessional and you're admitting and you're trying to really do some serious soul searching, it needs to be at a level of, listen to this if you don't know, if you're not familiar with it, to the extent where God, who knows everything that's hidden, in other words, in plain English, he knows all the secrets and he knows where all, everything is buried in, in your heart, right? And so that HaKadosh Baruch himself will testify, that you, God will, te- he will measure your degree of, of, uh, of uh, knia, if you will, uh, your degree of, uh, of uh, well, the word I'm looking for is, is regret, the degree of your regret, right? You'll never go back and do that same thing again. The low nom and then he quotes Hosea, Shinamar, 
So how interesting is that? Here's that, that same Pasuk, which is tied into Pasuk Chof and our Pasuk, um, and again speaks about this very business of not having an, a tie to anything that really is, has to do with man's own self, man's own ego, man's own lack of hubris. I would just mention in passing that uh, in the Sefer Karim, uh, written by Rav Yosef Albo, uh, in the fourth parak there, uh, he goes to this, he has four aspects of, uh, of tshuva, and one of them, which he calls Maaseh, he goes and brings this very same pasuk from Moshe. So, at the end of the day, at least for this part, um, before the fun really begins, uh, there's a very interesting balance, and that's what our lives about, between having some level of self-confidence, some sense of personal dignity on the one hand, but not falling into the trap of tragic hubris and still being able to bend one's knees and say, like David Amelech, Khatasi, you know, nothing else. Now, um, the, uh, there's a Gemara in Sanhedrin that's uh, very concerned with Ahus uh, and, and, and the reason that the Gemara's got a very simple idea, so don't, don't get scared that we're, we're uh, looking to analyze the Gemara, but I think this Gemara is going to get up and sing and dance in the middle of Pomerantz's bookstore. Uh, Gemara is in, in uh, Sanhedrin Saritet. I can read you a little bit of it. Amar so all the Nevi'im, according to Rav Chia Bar-Abba, in the name of Rav Yochanan, they all speak about Yimot HaMashiach. Upliga, and here's the part we want to really attend to, and there's, a, there's a, an argument. Plukta, there's a disagreement. Dishmuel, and they argue on Shmuel. Why? Because Shmuel said, Damar Shmuel, Ein bein olam hazeh limot HaMashiach, ela shibud malchiot bilvav. So Shmuel who is the, uh, the, the source, he's the oracle, if you could use such a word for the Rambam, says, if you want to know what the Yomot HaMashiach looks like, it's not going to be fireworks. It's not going to be anything, you know, that, that passes uh, on halftime at a football uh, gala or, 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 or any kind of party. If you really want to know what Akutayamin means, uh, you would think Shmuel was a litvak. No, no fu- bells and whistles. The only thing is that the Jewish people will not be subjugated by foreign governments. So, I brought you all this way to ask you the following question. So we have the Garzev in Keves, right? We have Los Yisagoy El Goy Milchama. We have all of that in the first three psukim of Yeshayahu. And then we said, just as we were starting to enjoy it, right, the Ben Kol said, where did it all go? It disappeared. And it disappeared down this rabbit hole. So what does that really tell us about Yemot HaMashiach? And what does it really tell us about the Shita of Shmuel, who said nothing really changes? I think in the, using the lens of Yeshayahu and his binary understanding about Avodah Hashem and what Tshuva really means, is that, as Rav Kook famously said, I brought it to read, yeah, I'll read you a tiny bit of it, just because it's so gorgeous. This is, this is vintage Rav Cook. It's what made me fall in love with Rav Cook when I was 17 years old. Unbelievable. 
so, uh, so uh, Rav Cook is now talking about the same idea that the Rambam was talking about, about the moment after you've done your tshuva, and remember the Rambam has it that the Kodesh Baruch Hu, the Abishter, says, you know, uh, I can bear witness that you've really repented. Says Rav Cook. Now, Rav Cook is very interested in having Jews and Jewesses believe that when you do vidui, you really are forgiven, like no kidding. And listen to how he does this. The person is told, you need to understand, that all your sins have been wiped away. Everything is gone. So here Rav Kook is picking up Rabbi Akiva in the Gemara and saying, when you do tshuva, you might have been one moment, but you're you know, somebody else the next moment. And here it is. It says Rav Kook, you think that when you're sitting and crying in your little base medrash, and you're singing along, you think that maybe you're doing tshuva for yourself, and if you're somehow really connected to the tzibor that you're davening with, you're doing it all together, says Rav Kook, you don't understand the first level of tshuva. Because not only are you renewed, all of humanity and all of nature, all of nature that's been corrupted, remember all the things falling? According to Rav Kook, if you see it through the lens of Yishayahu, not only are they not falling and descending into the pit anymore, which is the wor- uh, where the word Veshach comes from, from the word Shachat, a pit, right? You fall into the lowest depths. You're bringing everything back up with you. So now, let me ask you, dear friends, how far is the distance, according to Shmuel, from Vagar Zeirin Keves, Loisa Goy Agoy how far is the distance between the ideal and that distance could be measured by what? The expanse of tshuva. When you do tshuva with knia, when you do it by willing to bend your knee and to have that exclusive relationship with HaKadosh Baruch Hu, According to Rav Cook and through the lens of Yeshayahu, this is not just a binary, oh my gosh, you know, if I'm not there, you know, I'm destroying the world. It's actually the other way around. It's, think about the power that Shuva has. You think that Shmuel was, you know, was, was being a litvak, that he was being hard-nosed, that he was saying, you know, I don't know, I can't imagine lambs and, 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 uh, and, uh, and foxes lying down together. No, 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 no. If you do Shuva in this particular way, it's a heartbeat away. How amazing that this is what we see in Perak Bet in Sefer Yeshayahu. This is why we say, uh, and this is why we're here to study Tanakh, because Tanakh is our Sefer Musar. It's the real thing. It's the thing out of God's mouth. And with the incredible perspective and dimension that Yeshayahu adds to that, we are able to see a connection between the first four psukim that talk about achrit hayamim and everything that comes uh, afterwards. And then we're able to go back and understand what our job is. The yorenu midirachav, the people who will be coming to Yerushalayim, kimitziyam teitzei Torah, this is what they're really going to need to learn. They need, need to learn some flexibility. They need to learn that a dependency on HaKadosh Baruch Hu is absolute. 
And it's absolutely necessary because it really changes everything. One last thing. Um, there are a lot of people who are ill that we're all davening for. David Amelech famously says and compares a Salafti I should have looked ahead. But the point is that David HaMelech compares Slichat um, Avon to Rufua, to being healed from... Uh, um, it's escaped me just now. But uh, I would have to remember. Uh, but the point is that being ill, Lo'aleinu, and doing tshuva are considered the same. For Why, why does he put them together? Because... Uh, Having a, a dependency on anything other than Almighty God is a spiritual malady. We're ill, and when we when we do tshuva and we get the slicha and the guaranteed slicha that we get, then that makes everybody whole, brings everything into the place in the universe, and we heal the way we need to. Thank you so much for coming. Uh, Hashem, we'll reconvene in two weeks. We'll be away next week again, and. Um, uh, elevated stuff. Uh, I'm sorry. Uh, um, we're off next week. We'll be back the week after. Just not not next week. Not next week. Thank you again.